It's Wednesday, September 4th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Brexit. What even is happening? We're breaking down why this is the week that can make or break Prime Minister Boris Johnson's big plan to leave the European Union. And we'll make sense of all the parliamentary jargon being tossed about. Then Hong Kong's leader is giving the protesters what they've asked for. But some say it's not enough. And finally, a major milestone for Serena Williams. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about Brexit. We've been watching Brexit unfold from across the pond, and we've got to say, there's a lot of new lingo, especially this week, as members of parliament came back to work and got back to the drama. So today we're going to define three phrases you may be hearing this week and how they fit into what's going on with Brexit. But first, quick reminder. It's countdown time in the United Kingdom. Britain is scheduled to leave the European Union on Halloween, and Prime Minister Boris Johnson says he's okay with leaving without a Brexit deal if necessary. A no-deal Brexit could be costly and chaotic. So nervous MPs, or members of parliament, have been looking for ways to stop a no-deal Brexit from happening. Last week, Johnson prorogued Parliament. That basically meant canceling the current session of Parliament and sending everyone on vacation again. Which means MPs will lose about two weeks of the time they expected to have to debate Brexit right at crunch time. That set the stage for yesterday. Many MPs felt like Johnson was cramping their style. So a group of MPs passed a bill giving them, and not Johnson's government, the right to set today's agenda in Parliament. Basically, they told Johnson, it's our house, of commons, and we can do what we want to. 21 members of Johnson's own party agreed, making them, in British political lingo, rebels. Yes, that's literally what they call them. Johnson was like, hell no. So he took revenge on the rebels by removing their whip. That's the first phrase we're going to define for you, removing the whip. In British politics, whips are MPs who whip up support for bills. The US Congress has them too, but in the UK, being stripped of the whip designation means not only losing that role, but losing your party membership and having to sit in parliament as an independent. Bummer. This is a pretty serious punishment, especially since some of the people whose whips were snatched away last night were prominent politicians. One of them, Nicholas Sames is Winston Churchill's grandson. Here he was yesterday on the BBC. I have been told by the chief whip, who is my friend and who I like very much, but he has told me that it will be his sad duty to write to me tomorrow to tell me that I've had the whip removed. After 37 years as a Conservative Member of Parliament, I've voted against the government three times in 37 years, and I've had the whip removed. So that's what all the whip talk was about yesterday. Which brings us to the next phrase you should know. The Ben Burt Bill. If the drama yesterday seemed like the main event, think again. The main attraction is happening today, and it's called the Ben Burt Bill. It's a piece of legislation named after a Labour Party MP and one of those Conservative Party rebels without a whip. And it would essentially block Prime Minister Johnson from forcing through a no-deal Brexit by giving him until October 19th, 12 days before Brexit is supposed to happen, to win support in Parliament for a Brexit strategy, either a deal or no deal. Otherwise, Brexit will be delayed again to January 31st of next year. 
Here's Labour MP Lisa Nandy, who backed the Ben Burt bill. We have finally in this house, after years of saying that no deal was a hoax, that it was a bluff, that it wouldn't happen, we've woken up to the reality of it. Now we have to make sure it doesn't happen and we have to go out and we have to win this argument with the public. And as my honourable friend so rightly and eloquently said, so we can walk out of here looking at the sky and not at our shoes. Nandy wasn't alone this afternoon. The Ben Burt bill passed by a 29-vote majority, with the help of even more conservative rebels. Now, the House of Lords still has to vote on it. That'll happen later this week. We promised a third British political phrase today, so here you go. Snap elections. Parliamentary elections in the UK have to happen every five years, but they can also be held earlier if two-thirds of Parliament is on board. Former Prime Minister Theresa May used an early election in 2017 to try to strengthen support for her Brexit plans. But it backfired, and her Conservative Party ended up losing seats. Now Johnson is saying, let's try it again. And today he condemned the Ben Burt bill for tying his hands and said it was all part of a bid to invalidate Brexit altogether. It is completely impossible for government to function if the House of Commons refuses to pass anything that the government proposes. And in my view, and the view of this government, there must now be an election on Tuesday the 15th of October. Just before we wrap today's podcast, MPs also rejected Johnson's bid for new elections, defying him for the third time in two days. We don't know what'll happen next, but if Johnson was hoping for a clear path to Brexit, it's anything but clear right now. So what's the skim? The ongoing Brexit drama is becoming a lesson for all of us in the twists and turns of the British political system. It's taught us what it really means to pro-rogue parliament, take away someone's whip, and call for snap elections. We also learned today that parliament has reduced the likelihood of a no-deal Brexit and put the possibility of yet another delay back on the table. But if today's drama is any indication, there's a lot more that could still happen and a lot more parliamentary lingo we may have to learn. For more on how Brexit could affect you and your wallet, head over to theskim.com money. Protesters in Hong Kong just got a major win. Maybe. Today, the region's leader, Carrie Lam, said she will formally withdraw a controversial bill that's led to months of massive protests. We've talked about these demonstrations before. Since this bill was introduced in April, more than a million protesters have come out against it. The bill would have allowed suspected criminals to be extradited to mainland China, something opponents say is evidence of China creeping in on what's left of Hong Kong's autonomy. In June, after the protests began, Lam said, I hear you, and suspended the bill. But protesters were waiting for the W word, withdraw. That would mean it's formally taken off the legislature's docket, meaning it'd take a lot more effort to put it back on. Lam wouldn't say withdraw, and was being criticized for being too close with mainland China. So the protests continued. Some stayed peaceful, but others turned violent. At times, Hong Kong's huge airport and public transportation were basically shut down. Since June, more than a thousand people have been arrested. And some people say the police have been using excessive force against the protesters. 
Lamb says she wants everyone to chill. In a pre-recorded televised speech earlier today, she pulled out the W card and formally withdrew the bill. Incidents over these past two months have shocked and saddened Hong Kong people. We are all very anxious about Hong Kong, our home. We all hope to find a way out of the current impasse and unsettling times. Lam says she wants to start a direct dialogue with the community. But some are saying it's just too little, too late. Because now, the protests are about way more than just an extradition bill. Now, protesters say they want the government to stop calling the protests riots. They want all of the protesters who have been arrested to have the charges against them dropped. They want the police to be investigated for their use of force this summer. And they want more of a say in who's being elected to lead Hong Kong. That's something pro-democracy protesters have called for for years. How the government is going to respond to all of that is still TBD. Though Lam said today, dropping charges is not on the table. But for right now, it looks like Hong Kong might be back in business. The region is a big financial hub, and small businesses have been feeling the pain this summer. Tourism has also been down, but small companies caught in the crossfire could get some relief. Hong Kong officials said today that they'll have access to as much as $4.5 billion from the government. After reports emerged that Lam would make this announcement, Hong Kong's stock market went up 4%, the biggest one-day gain in 10 months. But anything could happen next. Women in Congress might be getting another first. And it's a pretty big deal. You might remember last November, when Deb Holland and Sharice Davids became the first Native American women elected to Congress, from New Mexico and Kansas, respectively. Now, another Native American woman, Kimberly Teehee, may become the Cherokee Nation's first delegate to the U.S. House of Representatives. Turns out, it's actually a position that's been around since 1835 as part of the Treaty of New Echota, which has the unfortunate history of also being the document that led to the Trail of Tears, when Cherokee were forced to leave their homes and move west. A lot of them died along the way. In 184 years, no one has ever been appointed to actually fill the delegate role. But the newly elected Cherokee chief who took over has made it a top priority, and Tihi has experience supporting Native American causes in D.C., she was actually a senior policy advisor for Native American affairs under President Obama. Congress still needs to approve her appointment, but if that happens, it will be the first time that a sovereign Native American government has its own rep in DC. Even though the position doesn't have voting power, much like delegates who rep Puerto Rico, Guam, and DC, Tihi told Glamour Magazine this week that she would enjoy being an extra voice at the table. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from the U.S. Open. It's no surprise that Serena Williams is one of the greatest athletes of all time. She's won 23 Grand Slam singles titles, just one of the many records she's broken throughout her career. And yesterday, Williams added a new one to her scoreboard. During the quarterfinals, she won her 100th U.S. Open singles match. Since her first win back in 1998, according to the U.S. Open, 
Williams has defeated players from 30 different countries and has the highest winning percentage at the tournament. Two more wins, and she'll have her seventh U.S. Open championship victory. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening and be sure to hit subscribe. We'd also love for you to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. For more Skim, sign up for our free morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.